Well, the good news from the weekend was the Bucks hit 23 pointers against the Charlotte Hornets. The shooting is back. The bad news was that they also gave up 20, gave up 138 points, including 51 points in the first quarter to the Hornets. It was a disastrous day at home for this Milwaukee Bucks team. And they just don't seem like they've got all that motivation right now to get out of this funk during the regular season. So we're going to discuss that idea of where the motivation lies for this team and ask the question, are they simply bored? Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN and from the Bucks Radio Network. In-game analyst Justin Garcia is back with us to get the week started here. And uh, I say he's the in-game analyst, and that means that he was in the building for this game against the Charlotte Hornets that I don't think we need to go into too much detail, but I am going to pick your brain, Justin, about just what exactly you saw from that team and potentially what you heard in the post game, before we move on, we know the Bucks head into New York. They got the Knicks again. Last time they played at Madison Square Garden, it was Grayson Allen that hit a three to win the game for the Bucks. So we'll talk about that and the general idea that the Bucks uh, just look like a team that doesn't have all that much motivation to play regular season basketball right now. We thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first watch, or first listen of every single weekday. Occasionally on weekends, uh, that Charlotte game was not uh, post game podcast worthy, so we let that one slide a little bit. But thanks to everyone for subscribing. We've ticked over 5K subscribers on YouTube, which was a nice little goal that we had going there. So we're excited about that. Uh, And we appreciate you jumping in with us and giving us all the feedback to hopefully make this a pretty good show. Justin, 51 points in the first quarter against Charlotte. Uh, What are you thinking at that point in time when you're in the building? Um, It was just kind of like shell shock of... What is happening right now? Because like it was weird where it felt like it was a much shorter spurt than it actually was because we were kind of talking about it in the broadcast. And when you go back and you look at the actual play-by-play, you see like, oh, no, it was pretty much the entire quarter. But the Bucks, uh started the game in front. It was, I think, 6-3. to three. But that was only a minute into the game, and it felt like it was a little longer than that. And from that point forward, they were just destroyed in the quarter. Um, it was, so I think there's a couple of things. It was another game where we saw quick fouls on Brooke Lopez. And this was kind of, it kind of felt like a throwback to the conversation that I know we had a lot on this show the last, uh, two years ago, I would say specifically where there was a lot of the, uh, I don't know, you play Brooke Lopez off the floor and can you afford to keep him on the floor against some of these teams because of the pace that the Hornets played at they were kind of putting him in some mismatches and the foul trouble didn't help either. So then the other problem was they started to get hot. And we saw a couple of times in the game with Brooke Lopez off the floor, either because of the pace of the game or the foul trouble, Terry Rozier specifically, when the Hornets would run some screens at the top of the floor, Giannis had to really come out and challenge him on it because you were terrified that Terry Rozier was going to knock down a three 
and that just left everything wide open for the Hornets under the basket. They they also, I mean, they did really well points in the paint, which is another disturbing trend that we've seen. The Bucks have not played well there, but I think the biggest thing is uh, what we have talked about in the broadcast. I know you've talked about it. Frank has talked about it. The most alarming thing we continue to see from this team is their turnover rate, and obviously not having guys like Drew on the floor can change that when that when that was the case that wasn't the case against the hornets um but it really did seem like in that first quarter specifically the hornets were just gambling on every pass and you wonder how much of that is the film study of steve clifford like hey this team is sloppy and loose with the ball and some of their entry passes aren't great so you can kind of sense where they're going and we saw quite a few of those plays where it was just an ill-timed pass and the hornets before you know it are on a fast break so it looked like they were gambling quite a bit in the first half and it paid off because turnovers were a big problem for the Hornets or for the Bucks once again. Uh, but the, the two most notable stats to me were what the Hornets did, how efficient they were off of turnovers. It seemed like they scored on every single possession and offensive rebounds. And for a while, when you looked at those numbers, it was almost like two points for every turnover and two points for every offensive rebound, which is not the norm. It came down a little bit when the game ended, but for a while there, it was like 15 turnovers, 32 points. Like, wow, how is this happening? <laughs> and then, and that was the interesting thing at the end of the first quarter. So the 51 points from the Hornets is clearly disturbing stuff. Uh, and they were 7 for 14 from 3 in the first quarter. And you're like, okay, yeah, they're pretty hot. But the Bucks were 7 for 12. Yeah. I mean, that was the only reason that that wasn't even more disastrous was the fact that the Bucks were knocking down threes. If they were shooting the ball as terribly as they had been in previous weeks, they might have been down by 40 points at the end of the first quarter. I mean, that's how bad uh, this could have been. You pointed to some of the numbers. So uh, the total in the paint, 54 to 22 to Charlotte. Second chance points, 24 to 11. Yeah, funnily enough, they only had 10 fast break points, even though you spoke about the pace they kind of played at. It felt like that number should have been higher. But the points off turnovers, 35 to 1. I, I don't know if there's been a discrepancy like that in, the, in an NBA game this year, but it would be hard to achieve. Like that, that, that is almost impossible, the efficiency that they were scoring at. And they only had five total turnovers themselves for the entire game, Charlotte. So that is where you see the difference. And if you go back to this nine-game stretch that the Bucks have had. So I've taken these numbers from Eric Names' post-game story here, but we all remember the disaster in Memphis, 142-101, to 101, just a horrific performance, but against a good team. Charlotte are a bad team. The Bucks have lost four games by 20 or more points since that game. In the first two seasons with the Bucks under Mike Budenholzer, uh, they lost by 20 or more points just twice total. In the 2021 season when they won the title, they lost by 20 or more points four times. So they've lost by 20 plus points more times in the last nine games than basically the usual rate across an entire season. Now, you mentioned the turnover rate. In that nine game stretch, second worst in the league, 17.3%. And if you go to the offensive rating, then we know that they've struggled. Dead last, 105.8. Yeah. Just an absolutely abysmal stretch of basketball from this team. And we know some of it's been on the road. We know they're shorthanded. But these numbers are not just, oh, we've got a tough schedule. I mean, this is some horrific stuff. Yeah, it's not just we have a tough schedule and we've been dealing with injuries because the defense has basically become mediocre during that stretch too. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what we had talked about before. That's how they 
got to be nine and zero, and that's how they kind of stayed afloat despite no Chris or Pat and not getting to experience Joe Ingles yet. Was their defense was not only the best in the league, but it was by a wide margin. And I think once guys started to come back into the lineup, it's only natural that you see a little bit of regression where it's kind of like, hey, we finally made it, so we don't have to press so hard defensively. Uh, so I think that's definitely a part of it. But you know, it just seems like we're uh, we're about a month too early for this to be the case. But it just seems like for the last few weeks, the Bucks have kind of hit that point in the schedule that you you see most teams go through in late January and early February, just before the All Star break, where teams are kind of like, all right, we we see the break that we have coming up here, so let's just get to the All Star break. It seems like the Bucks have been stuck in that mode for two or three weeks now. Yeah, they've been a 500 team, so they started 9-0, and and I, I think since then, it's around 500, 15 and 14 or something like that. It might be 16 and 14 uh, since that stretch there. And uh, again, as you said, we have seen teams go through stretches like this, but I want to dive into this a little bit more because we spoke about, uh, we did went through all the possible trade scenarios as an hour-long podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet and you've got some spare time, chuck it on and, and listen to Frank and myself go through all, not all of them, but a a long list of potential trade targets for this team. Because we are getting to the point where I think we spoke last week, Justin, and I said, look, I'll give it to the end of January before I'm too stressed out about everything. And hopefully by that point you see Chris, but we don't really know. Uh, But you don't want to let too many games slip here. And and games like that one against Charlotte in previous years, even when the Bucs have had struggles. And I would say over the last couple of regular seasons, I haven't, watched Bucks games or turned them on like I did the first two years of the Bud era where I just thought they were going to win every game. It hasn't quite been that level. There's been ups and downs. There's certainly been lulls. There's been losing streaks. Uh, but games at home against the Charlotte Hornets have never looked like that. And so I, I think they're battling some serious motivation stuff at, uh, at the moment, which I get. But I wanted to dive into that idea uh, a little bit more with you after... And we talk about our sponsor of the podcast, TurboTax. Go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who'll do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you uh, can uh, do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby. Hope not taxes sleep through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset, Justin. With TurboTax 100% expert guarantee, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish so you can relax and it feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Uh, That's TurboTax.com. Full service products only. Video medium while expert does your taxes required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantee. So I think one of the things that teams that are good for a number of years, and I know the Bucks have only won one title, but they've been at the top of the Eastern Conference for around five years now. And sometimes you hear about these other teams, and the Spurs is probably the greatest example in recent times um, because most teams go through a window where it is, you know, five or six years where they're contending potentially, and then yeah, the players get older like the Bucks have. But you hear a lot of these teams talk about, well, you got to bring in new guys that are motivated that perhaps can bring a little bit of exuberance to a team that 
for the most part, knows that they've got nothing to prove during the regular season. And I was thinking about it the other day. Like, the Bucs can't... Yes, like, seeding for the postseason is important, but there's really nothing that they can do in this regular season to prove anything to anyone. People think that they're going to be pretty good, but getting the number one seed doesn't necessarily mean anything for this team. The only thing they can do it is winning a title. Giannis would put up 46 points per game last week over three or four games. He's the fourth favorite for the MVP. I mean, he can't even do anything in that regard, you know, potentially to prop himself up to the MVP debate. We know the Bucks brought back most of their team. I thought it was a pretty smart move, but it is interesting. I, I This team, just from the complete outside, does look like when you combine all the injuries and probably the frustration of not being a healthy team, they do look like they're a little bit bored. Night to night, you're not seeing the same energy and fire that certainly you did in the first couple of years. Yeah, and um, it was just kind of a perfect storm in the title year too, where you had a mixture of guys that kind of fit the bill that you described, where P.J. Tucker, I think, gets most of the mention with that. But, I mean, Bobby Portis was certainly in that category. This entire team was in that category as well as they had something to prove after – losing in six to the Raptors with a 2-0 lead and then the whole bubble experience. So it's just natural that once you move past that and you win a championship, you, you can't find – I mean, p- players have talked about that in the past. Of Once you win a title, it's not that you're not trying to win a title anymore, but hmm. the hunger to win that first championship, it's not there anymore. And I think that's part of what they're going through as well Is we know how much they prioritize health and – their cautious approach to the regular season where it's just, Hey, let's, let's make sure we're set for the playoffs. Uh, and I think that's a big part of it is it's a team, not that it's all of it, because again, we, I think we've all tried to say for the last couple of weeks, doesn't look great right now. And Chris Middleton's absence is a big part of it. It doesn't solve everything that once Chris returns, the bucks aren't all of a sudden going to become a top 10 offense and just hit the ground running. So it's not going to fix everything. Um, but it has ripple effects on a lot of things with Bobby Portis is starting to come around now and, and has played really well. But when you looked at his early season, somewhat struggles and Grayson Allen, what he's going through, the absence of Chris Middleton speaks a lot to that. And obviously their half court offense specifically, no Chris Middleton speaks a lot to the issues that they've had there. But I, I do believe, a, a, I guess I'd say big part of it as well is just a veteran team, an older team, that is two years removed from winning a title that knows we have to be healthy to have a chance to win another championship. And that means not going all out in the regular season. I mean, the only thing left to to really check off in the boxes that you were getting to before is if this team just approached the regular season, extra motivated to see, could we win 65 or 70 games? But you don't see teams do that anymore. Yeah. So I don't, again, I totally sit back from someone that's never quite clearly I don't know if any of our listeners know but I never played NBA basketball so I've never had to go through the physical challenge that they're going through and it's been a number of years and if you just look at the schedule again for as long as it feels like this season has been going they're not even halfway through the regular season yet there's still 43 regular season games to go we're still a month away from the trade deadline over a month away from the all-star break which after the all-star break is when everyone says, okay, the run to the postseason has begun. So we're still a long way away from that. But I I don't... I mean, right now, quite clearly, they're not playing championship basketball. And it's just kind of some of the things that you see, the turnover stuff that has just continued to to bubble along these last few games here. 
I, I think you want to be a little bit careful that you don't let those types of things linger. I mean, Giannis always talks about good habits. Bud always talks about good habits. There hasn't been too many good habits uh, when it comes to, you know, certainly the offense here over the last little stretch. And I, like I said, I think, uh, you know, for me, the end of January is when I'll really start to hit the panic button. But are you concerned at all long-term? I mean, there has to be some caution of, of not letting this slide too long and thinking that you can just turn it on eventually and get back to winning championship basketball. Um, I mean, <laughs> the longer this goes, I think we both said if, if we're in a Jan- like late January, we're in January now, but if we're in late January and this is still going on, uh, then it's starting to get to elevated levels of, of heightened concern. Uh, and especially when you look at not just on the calendar, but you look at the schedule that they have, in January, I think there's only it's changed a little bit just because the six seed in the East seems to fluctuate every day and, and who owns it. But I believe from the moment they played the Bulls, uh, what, the 28th of December until the end of January, they only have four or five teams on the schedule out of 17 games that are in the top six of their conferences. So it's not even just re- like top tier playoff teams. It's teams that are out of the play-in tournament. And a lot of that is the teams that are like four through six in both conferences is what the bulk of this schedule is, that or lower. So um, with that on the calendar of, okay, this can't stretch into, you know, three months into the season, it's still going on. And with that level of competition, if it is still happening then in late January and this team is 10 games or so above 500, but that just means they've been a 500 team since a 9-0 start, then it's, it's starting to get to ele- elevated levels of concern. And the biggest thing, obviously, is if there's any news, I don't, I have no reason to believe there is, but if there's any negative news about Chris Middleton in the next couple of weeks of, oh, well, that changes things. Because I think we know, we saw it last year, and without Chris Middleton, barring something unforeseen, this team can't win a championship with the roster that's currently constructed if Chris Middleton isn't going to be a part of those games. Yeah, well, they also can't win a championship without Chris Middleton playing the level of basketball he played in the championship <laughs> round. So it's it's also not just him coming back, but it's him getting back to that level. So I want to ask you a little bit more about that and get back to the trade stuff. So as I said, we did a trade special and listed a, a bunch of names. When you talk about the team maybe from the outside, from the surface, I don't know if it's actually true, but from the outside looking like perhaps the motivation, the drag of the regular season is starting to take hold, does that make you think any more that this team needs to inject one or two guys into this list from a personality point of view? So I want to ask you about that. But there's one thing that gives me a lot of motivation and injects a whole heap of enthusiasm into my body, and that's Built Bar. So if you're looking for a delicious treat and don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to buy a Built Bar. You've got to try a Built Bar. So we go. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier now weekends are problematic for me there's no doubt about it but if you want a snack that you can eat seven days a week and you know it's going to be healthy even though you can't really believe that it actually is healthy then you've got to try built bar what makes built bar so good well for starters they're covered in 100 percent real chocolate and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond uh, last time I was doing this ad read, Frank started eating a built bar Justin you, you haven't got any handy is that <laughs> I don't have any handy now all right well I'm not sure how they do it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining uh, excellent 
health ingredients. And what's even better is the 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't even need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been asking you, uh, talking to you about ordering your built bars at built.com. Now you can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club as well. So pop in there, get yourself a box. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box with the hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. Then you can thank me later for that. So that's built, uh, built bar there, which we know is just an absolutely superb product. This is just uh, purely theorizing, Justin, when it comes to the idea of injecting either some athleticism, some fire, some motivation, a different voice. Does any of that you know, strike you as something this team could potentially use? And has perhaps your mind started to change a little bit as you've watched this stretch of basketball? Um. I mean, at this point, it wouldn't hurt to have that that same injection, <laughs> no, that we, you know, that that we talked about um, from two years ago, where you had the perfect storm of PJ Tucker, a guy that experienced those setbacks and was looking to win a championship, so he fits so well. Bobby Portis, for everything that he talked about, they they just don't have that guy. Um, Joe Ingles, I guess, is the closest to that guy that that we would describe here, and. Um, it's still kind of a work in progress with him where, you know, it's going to take time. So maybe by the time you get to the trade deadline, Joe Ingles has, has really started to develop even more chemistry. Not that there's none there now, but he's really started to latch on with his team. And then he kind of assumes that role. Um, but I mean, I think that's a challenge that a lot of these teams are going through too. And, you know, the one thing that um, gives me, less reason for concern but uh i understand when people push back i'm like well it looks really bad with the bucks and maybe even worse with some of these other teams is it would be a lot more alarming if the bucks were the only team going through this and Mm. they're just not i mean the celtics have basically done the same thing the bucks have for the last month or so of the season uh i think they're nine and eight in their last 17 games and the bucks are nine and nine or something like that so Celtics have done that. And Celtics had some pretty bad losses on the schedule already as well. They lost to the Thunder earlier in the week with no Shea Gilgis Alexander. Boston played everyone and they lost by 30. So it's kind of the same thing the Hornets did to the Bucs. The Nets went through their stuff earlier in the season. And I think the Nets, it's easier to explain where the coaching change seemed to be very pivotal. And uh, Ben Simmons is playing well. Kevin Durant has played like an MVP, although we we've joked of, Hey, just wait till he goes down. And now we saw he went down tonight, Yeah, but it, it seems like every team is going through this, except for maybe the Cavaliers that seem to have been very consistent so far. So it's not like this is just the bucks that it's impacting. Uh, I think we feel that way because we watch the bucks more than any other team. So that's why it stands out. But if the bucks were the only team or, if they were the only team that was experiencing not just like this up and down play, but some really bad losses, then you'd have a little more concern. But the fact that this has really been league wide with both conferences, with teams at the top of the conference, I have less concern, not that you should ignore things, but I have less concern just because we're seeing this basically everywhere. It's been universal. No, it's actually a pretty good point you make. Uh, someone asked me about 
this or that when they were talking about that Thunder Boston game that you know we had a laugh about. We joked on this podcast, you know, the, the Thunder put 150 on Boston just last week on the road as well, and the three point shot is a big part of it. But I think there is more focus on the fact that the regular season is 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 a long. It drags on. It's a it's a long marathon, and sometimes these teams have these nights. It's just been more alarming for the Bucks because we've seen more of it than we have been used to. So, Chris Middleton, you mentioned a few times the Bucks and the Knicks tomorrow at Madison Square Garden. No surprise, Chris Middleton is out. Uh, so is Serge Ibaka for personal reasons there, but everyone else uh, seems like they're good to go as far as the latest injury report uh, anyway that we got here tonight. So, Chris Middleton, we did the trade special. A number of people asked and said, why didn't you talk about trading Chris Milton? So we didn't talk about trading Chris Milton, but I, I can't speak for Frank, but I've certainly spoke about it in solo podcasts. And I just think the chances of you know, trading that man is, is just very, very slim. Because if if you're the Bucks and you think, well, uh, you should consider trading Chris Milton if you really think that he hasn't got some health stuff going on. If you want to get into the conspiracy about the contract stuff, fine. But if he is really broken to the point that you think that he can't, I mean, who wants him at that point in time when he's probably going to do the same thing and hit free agency at the end of the year anyway. So I actually don't know how much value is there anyway. And I think that what my guess would be that the Bucks, for a number of reasons, not just this, but I think that they would believe that their best chance to win a title is with Chris Milton and, and writing that out to the end, which to be honest, I mean, that's, that seems like the, the very logical and smart play. Yeah, I um, at, at the risk of of sounding like a, a Chris Homer, I think we're pretty aligned. Where I'm a Chris Homer, and that's fine to say as well. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I'll just say this: I can't believe we are having this—not you and I, but just in general. I can't believe that it's a conversation once again of Chris Middleton's value after everything that the value he demonstrated two years ago. Um, but look, when you bring up names of well, you could trade Chris for this player and guys that have equal injury histories and even more, and you bring up guys that aren't two-way players, that's where the conversation just kind of ends, that I think Chris is just the perfect fit for this team. It's it's a lot of like what the conversations the Warriors would have with their personnel in the past. For as much as you know, we think about the Splash Brothers shooting, they fit so well off each other with Clay Thompson's ability to defend multiple positions and Draymond to do that as well the whole group, it was just heliocentric, how they fit. And that's kind of like Giannis and Chris and what we've seen with Drew as well. When they're all healthy together, this threesome just fits so well together and throw Brooke Lopez in the mix too. So you're not going to win any trade that, that you include Chris Middleton in because if you want to go down, and I know you guys already got into some of the trade targets, but you go down the rabbit hole of contracts the guys that are making the same amount of money as Chris Middleton, and I get that's a big reason why people have their issues with him, but those guys, it's the same conversation we're having with Chris. Those are teams that are not trading that player, number one, because he's the best player on their team. And if you do well, let's do a package. Anytime you do a two-for-one type, you've lost the trade, especially when it involves a player like Chris Middleton in an all-star, an all-NBA caliber player. When he's healthy, you're losing that trade when you're doing – package deals and piecing together stuff to make the salaries work so for all those reasons those are the technical reasons the fact that he fits the team so well the fact that there's the chemistry with he and Giannis they're not going to trade him so really your best option is let's get him healthy because we saw how much we missed him in the playoffs last year and we see how much we're missing him now again it's not the only reason why this team is struggling but it's a big reason why this team 
hasn't looked good for a couple of weeks, offensively or defensively, it's because they have their second best player off the floor essentially all season. And I know that there will be people that will come into this and say there are reasons why they would trade him and all those things. And the idea that yeah, even if you trade Chris Middleton for 50 cents on the dollar, then it's still better than not having someone playing. And I, and I get all that and it's damage control because people don't want to give him a max contract in the summer. I've always said this. I'm totally fascinated with what's going to happen in this offseason for the Bucs. There is going to be... There's going to be change and there is going to be talking points. There's going to be fans that are annoyed either way with whatever happens. It's going to be the most interesting offseason this team has had for a number of years. But I still think you focus on winning the title this year. Uh, Bud straight up said the other day, he was asked by Eric Name, is this going to turn into something where he's going to need surgery? Bud said no straight away. He ruled that out. Conditioning has been a word that's been spoken about a lot. And I understand if there's... People that are frustrated if he wasn't in the best conditioning coming back. The way I look at it, I don't care about Chris Milton in December. I don't care about him in November. I don't even care about him tomorrow night in January. But if you tell me that you can get him back to this team and he only has to play 40 games of the season instead of 90 games, but he's going to be healthy, he's going to be in good shape, sign me up for that. Because I, whatever happens in the offseason happens. But I think if everyone is together and healthy and maybe you make another nice addition at the trade deadline, see what you can do. I still think this is a team that could win a title this year and you have to go for that. And you don't sacrifice anything because you think that in the offseason you're going to spend more than you want to or there's going to be some contract stuff. Unless there was something disastrous, you ride with Chris Milton, you try and win the title this year. I think it's, I think it's that simple. And um, yeah, we'll see. It's a complete mystery. Brooke Lopez was a mystery last year and we just sit back here and wait and hope to see or hear something and see him back on the floor. But uh, I'm still I'm still holding on to that Chris Milton stock and potentially going on a playoff run. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, 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 something drastic has to happen for me to sell any of the, the Chris Middleton stock that I have. And it, it's just, I understand that uh, I've said it quite a few times. I mean, hope is not a strategy, but in this oh, case... I get it. I, I totally get it. I agree with you. I understand why people are starting to come up with these different plans of attack. Like it makes sense to me. Um, I'm just not on board. Yeah. And look, I mean, I get it, but it's, it's really your best option is hope and to hope that Chris Middleton comes back and is the guy that we saw. It doesn't even have to necessarily be during the conference finals, but is close to that guy that is an all-star caliber player that meshes so well with Giannis. I mean, the Bucs aren't going to acquire any player at the deadline that is on that level. So that's your best chance and your best quote unquote trade deadline acquisition. We hope it's not that long, but your best in season or mid season acquisition is just getting Chris healthy. February 9 is the trade deadline. We're going to continue. I, I, I don't know how many podcasts we're going to do over the next month talking about potential trades and then rumor season is about to start getting fired up. So there's going to be endless stuff to talk about. I can't wait to do it. Make sure you subscribe to locked on bucks, wherever you get your podcasts or on the YouTube app uh, or YouTube site, I should say. As I said, we're over 5K subscribers there. And uh, jump in the comments and let us know because I'm sure there will be some exuberant thoughts and feelings about some of the stuff we've discussed this year as perhaps uh, the tension just starts to rise a little bit among Bucks fans. Bucks and Knicks tomorrow. We'll have a post-game show after that. Uh, Justin, as I said, uh, I don't know. I can't go into a Bucks game right now and like feel like I know exactly what's going to happen. But if you were ever going to have a response, you would think after what happened on Saturday, you're looking for it, and Giannis typically gets up for games at Madison Square Garden. 
Yeah, that was the one that really threw me because it was it was the same where this season you're like, I feel like they're going to win this game, but who knows? It's been up and down. When you went into the Hornets game and you said, this might be the worst team in the Eastern Conference and maybe in, in basketball, and we got everybody, but like they're going to win this. When they lost and looked the way they did, that's when it was really, well, I really don't know what to expect on a nightly basis until you start to see consistently the team looking like what we're used to. Yep, keep knocking down some threes, cut down the turnovers, and hopefully uh, get a win and get back on track so we can have a bit of fun on the post-game pod. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Check out Game to Game NBA as well, a podcast on the network, on the Locked On NBA feed. You can listen to Game to Game, and everyone will jump in with their little uh, bits and pieces from the game recap. It's a nice, easy, short, digestible way to find out what happened in the NBA because – it can be hard to keep up, let's be honest. And then, as I said, Frank will be here. We'll have a post-game pod after Bucks and Knicks. Listen to Bucks Radio. Listen to Justin uh, give his thoughts on this game. Do you do it tomorrow or you do the pre-game, post-game show for the road? Uh, to, for the road, it's just the pre-post and halftime, too, to be sure not to undersell those uh, 15 minutes. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. All right, listen to Justin. He'll be back on this podcast, I'm sure, later in this week. I'll hassle him uh, to do something, and uh, we'll speak to you after the game. Hopefully, uh, the Bucks have a good